welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Borzio. I'm your other host, Daniel Colburn. And today's episode is brought to you by... Uh, I think it's, it's still brought to Festivans. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Because they, they do a... They're one of the few... I think they're one of the few people that do a good HSA. Mm, um, the Alfred and P. I'm, Sloan I'm be doing that. Um, how you doing that? You, Dude, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'm grinding. I'm largely grinding, but I'm also chilling. Word. Um, Daniel, it's been two months since we last recorded. It's been. <laughs> it's been two months since we last recorded. Um, That's what yeah. it is. The this is uh right. Politic. We we started the show that you didn't hear by saying politically incorrect things, and we're gonna say politically incorrect things on the air now because. There's a, you know, the Weird Al version of that. The, yes. um, it's, uh, Gilligan's Island one. No, it's, um, Jerry Springer one. It's oh, like, Jerry Springer. Yeah. Da, 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 wasting my time on that Jerry Springer. Holy cow. Yeah. you see that one freak? What hit this one? Do? Yeah. But, um, in that he says da, ba, da, ba, something da, ba, da. gay Jewish black dude. He says that. Yeah. And it just reminded me of, <laughs> of what you said. Um, um, yeah, Jerry Springer. Something like that. I don't know why. I, just... I saw there was a whole documentary on. We've well, seen the show. Well, then you know it's just as low as you can go. That gets their techie and then that king in their hygiene. <laughs> um, there was a documentary on Jerry Springer and Maury and like all of these like weird shows. It was mostly about Jerry Springer. Oh, yeah. And about how basically he was kind of like, I don't know. It was wild. It was wild. Like the the whole like he basically like created this thing in talk shows to make them like push the boundaries and like even Oprah was getting in on it and like doing sensational crazy Wait, stuff what? and like oh yeah. he he like influenced like normal talk shows yeah to get because guests his ratings to, like, were so good throw chairs at each other yeah well like <laughs> and it, that you know I think the Oprah one wasn't that crazy but it was like. You know, those sorts of like ambush interviews, you know, where they'll like get people and be like, and the person you hate is right <laughs> yeah. here, you know, yeah. like right. anyway, apparently yeah. like <laughs> a lot of that happened after Jerry Springer's ratings were so uh, good that everyone was like, I guess we got to do crazy stuff. Yep. Uh, uh, Weird Al, man. Uh-huh. Love Weird Al. Were you yeah. into Weird Al? Oh, yeah. Deeply. Yeah. In fact, I had a CD that my friend burned for me. Running with Scissors? No. So it was just like a random collection of Weird Al songs on a CD. Okay. Some of them weren't Weird Al songs, but I didn't know that because they were all so funny songs. And he told me that they were all Weird Al songs. So like, uh, you know the Adam Sandler Hanukkah song? Yeah. I just thought that was Weird Al for a long time as a kid. Yeah, because it was on my Weird Al CD. Oh, funny. You know, yep. um, I, the, I quote the Santa workshop one all the time. And oh, yeah. I was just on a road trip with Hannah. Down Hannah. in the workshop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was making toys. The good Gentile girls and the good Gentile, <laughs> the good boys. Gentile boys. What do I say all the time? I think, oh, what's the quote? I don't know. It's maybe, I don't know. Merry Christmas to all. Now you're all going to die. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, Yeah. Had a rifle in his hand and cheap whiskey on his bread. Um, yeah. And the elves all got jobs working for the <laughs> postal service. <laughs> right. 
Yep. Um, yeah. Great, great, great stuff. Great stuff. Damn. Got a collection of Star Wars songs as well. It's a whole, it's a whole scene yes. over there. Have you ever heard Albuquerque? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the time to the walls like a fall on the mouth and force fed me nothing yeah. but sauerkraut when I was twenty six and a half years old. <laughs> yep. That was actually like waka waka you know when you're a kid. Yeah. There's like um, one of the things that you do to impress your friends is sort of memorize long weird things. Yeah. So yep. that was kind of in our little circle. Yep, same. Memorizing Albuquerque was some sort of a cultural yes. signifier. Yeah, I had yeah. it as well. So I've got, it's still trap. I've yeah. got the whole thing. That's funny, dude. Me too. Yeah. I say like, we mom, what, what's up with all the sour claws? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one, there's a few that, yeah, there's a few things that I, cause like now I'm to the point, I'm, it's, I imagine it's the same with you. Like all of those formative years where you build up this huge repertoire of quotes Mm-hmm. But then, like all those friends go to college and move away, yeah. and like they're not in you your daily lives anymore. You just say them, and people just think <laughs> you're crazy. People yep. just don't know what you're saying, or or yep, they yep, think yep, yep. like I think most of the time people like sniff out that it's like a reference they don't get. But a lot mm-hmm. of time, but I'll just say even just like a simp, like y- you know the place. Like I'll just say that, like you know the place, and somebody will just think <laughs> that I'm just saying you know the place. But yeah, or like I'm quoting that. <laughs> yeah, or like I'll be like on hold and I'll just be going, if you'd like to make a call, <laughs> yes. please hang up and try Dude. again. <laughs> Every time I'm on an airplane, I say, with, uh, uh, put your tray table. Uh, um, what is it? My tray table is up. And the seat, back seat back in the, in the full of bright position. position. <laughs> the tray table's up. Oh my yeah. God. Weird Al, man. Yeah, man. Weird Al. Weird Al. This episode is brought to you by Weird Al. If you want your kids to be as obnoxious as Caleb and I, make sure that you get them a, a Weird Al CD. Yep. Daniel and I, it is funny. We just discovered... It is weird how many similar dude, childhood it's experiences crazy. we had. Parallel childhood. Yeah. Same, same... Across the world, though. I, you know, I know. Literally as far away in physical space as people could possible? be. It's really weird, yeah. man. And it like, strange. I was influenced by a lot of people, like cousins of mine friends from the neighborhood um and then the internet when i got the internet but like you were around japanese people well i was around american people who lived in japan and japanese people okay and that was enough to like get exposed to all this i guess culture strong man yeah interesting having a friend who burns you cds is like a formative event oh yeah like we had this buddy who he was like the only dude with a cd burner and he burned us a whole um, blank disc uh, carousel of CDs. And mm. we've talked about this before. But it was like all the pop punk stuff. And that's what like changed my life. I had 50 CDs of like Blink, some like All American Rejects, Yellow Card. Even, and we then the deep about stuff, my Eminem show CD, right? No. I had the edited version of the Eminem show burned by a friend. <laughs> and so nice. I know every song on the Eminem show by heart. Yeah, but uh, there are certain curse words that I just oh, guessed funny. incorrectly as a kid, yeah. um, and awesome. so it's funny because sometimes, still to this day, when I'm singing the Eminem show, at this point I've listened to the actual Eminem show two hundred times too. Yeah, right. so like so you, most you of it's like down, updated. But, but every yeah. once in a while, I'll find myself like saying the wrong curse word, and I'm like, oh no, that's just what I thought it was when I was twelve and only had the edited version. Yep, it's funny. The first time I ever heard, uh, like, 
a friend of ours, he was like a bad boy. Mm. His dad is actually my best friend and still it, or my, my dad's best friend, best man, each other's wedding. They went to school together, but this guy's like, my dad is very like, um, nice and whatever. Like this guy, he's nice too, but like, he'll beat you up kind of thing. Like he sure. won't, but like he used to get in a ton of fights, broken home, like, and my dad it was not that way, but they just had this bond. So whatever. So we're like nice, you know, church kids and his son is not, you know, cause like, exactly. Because his dad is a bad boy and like my dad's not a bad boy. He is relative to other like people, whatever we don't. Okay. Point is, I remember me and my brother being in, I've heard the big guy could throw some hands for sure. If, if he, he had to oh, throw some hands. I don't know. No. You don't think big guy could throw a hand if he had to? If he had to. He's not a fighter. Yeah. He, he'll he tell you. He'll be like, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> he <laughs> he like, would tell me that? He would tell you that. He would. Yeah. He's not a fighter. He would just say like, he, who could ever get in a fight with my dad? Like, you can't. You just can't. Like, he's just too, too like, um, I don't know. He's not even like a warm, gushy guy. He's just like, anyway, whatever. Point is. We were super young and he had this boom box and he was playing the Eminem show and it was like blowing my mind. You know, I don't know. That's all I want to say. It's just like, it was way beyond anything. We knew it was so bad. Yeah. We knew we couldn't tell mom and dad, but we so, loved it. We were just sitting like on the bunk beds, listening to it. it my like, two major influxes of music in my like early teenage years. One, I had like a, I went to this missionary school and every once in a while these like teaching interns would come from America. Yeah. And they were always like 19 or 20 or something. Yeah. Um, so I guess there was actually three major influxes of music. Two of them were teaching interns who were like 18, 19, 20 or something. And one burned me like a big mix CD. Um, the other guy gave me his whole iTunes library. And then I ended up getting in trouble for pirating music because I had too much music and my parents knew that there was no, that I hadn't bought all that music. Um, And then, uh, and then the one other major infusion of music was my buddy's brother who was like much older and lived in America. And when the first iPod with the physical wheel came out, uh, he his brother sent him an iPod like loaded up with music. Dude, that is insane. And so I like That's borrowed the it. Coolest one time. move ever. Yeah, no, it's it's like a and his brother was like you know like a big business boy. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, dude, brother, let that's that's the move right there. That is the move. Yeah, we need to bring back. Like, how do you? So literally this morning, I'm on the phone with my brother. I went to a dance Gavin dance concert last night and had a ball. And I'm telling my brother about this and he's like, who's dance Gavin dance? I'm like, dude, do you even know me? Like, are we even related, bro? Like Mm -hmm. what in the world? Like we've lived apart from each other so long that he doesn't know one of my favorite bands, which is crazy. So what you got to do is you got to purchase an iPod. Exactly. So I'm like, dude, how do I get this to you? Like I could make like a Spotify playlist, but I don't know. You know what I mean? I need, I need to burn him a, a couple CDs and send it to him. I was just thinking the other day, I kind of want an iPod classic to live in my car. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have a buddy who's got an iPod shuffle rocking in his car with the aux jack. Yeah. That's like, so, yeah, dude. I But do, do like, like an iPod video. It could be a classic. Why not? No, I want the classic. Like yeah, the one okay. that's like a little brick. Yeah, the brick. That you could get it to like 115 degrees and it just took it. 
You know, like you could just leave the me in the car like overnight for a week in the summer and it was fine. Yeah. Dude, that's not and it would bad... inevitably get stolen when someone broke into your car. How much memory is on one of those things? Dude, it was a lot. It was like 256 gigs at the end. No. Yeah, at the end. No way. Yep, the big ones. No way. Yep. That's crazy. I don't believe yep. you, but that's crazy. I think 64 gigs was like the one everyone had at a certain point. Dude, I thought five was an iPod that Classic, was pre, man? That was before it was called the Classic. Oh, that was when it was the iPod. Yeah, yeah. So the gotcha. Classic was introduced at the same time as the iPod Touch. Oh, you're not talking... The iPod... Isn't that the iPod Video, bro? Yeah, so it was the iPod Video. The iPod Video. Then they created an iPod Touch. Right. And they basically rebranded the iPod Video to the iPod Classic. Okay. And it basically became like the... Oh, you got a you think you got a big iTunes library? Yeah, All right, this yeah, is the yeah. one for okay. you. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but it still has a video screen. Yes, it still yeah. has a video screen. Right. Dude, that's what's up, man. I want to get one of those. Dude, you got to get one of those. The iPod yeah. video, I didn't have the classic, but I had the video. And it was the yeah, most it was, amazing. it was like the coolest machine ever. Did you like you could hack the firmware and put like Microsoft Paint on it i installed linux like on that. my ipod nano and played doom on it nice yeah, yeah something like that and i i also tried to make a projector you can like take it apart and like peel the screen off of the backlight oh, backing sick. and shine a flashlight through it and you could like make a projector out of your yeah iPod well video. that was like my first experience bricking something i cared about yeah yeah you know what i'm saying like dude and i think that like that really like the perseverance to debug things yeah. comes from bricking something you care about. Like, I think you oh become gosh. good at debugging when you've bricked, when you're 14 and you own an iPod Nano and it's your prized possession and you brick it trying to install Linux on it. And you're like, oh no, what do I need to do? Did you come up from it though? Because yeah, I, yeah, I think I, I bricked I, mine and I don't think I came no, back I from got it. it. Back. I'm trying to think. I definitely bricked my PSP. I got it back. I had Forever. to um I had to boot into a Linux live CD and then I could use DF um to basically like copy a directory structure onto the like the mass storage of the device okay. which I could then use to fix my problem. Word. But yeah, it was wild. Did you like did you break your pants when that happened? Yeah, I'm bricking my pants right now. <laughs> Just drop a brick. Mm. So, yeah. dude, let me tell you dude, about bro. my um, experiment that I'm doing right now. Please do. So, I've always been a late night person. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I'm working with some Swedes. Yeah. W mostly one Swede. I'm working Sweet. with this one Swede. Sweet. And he and I were having like a daily touch base little pairing session at like 1 p.m. Yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, but it turns out like he's got this, sometimes he's got other meetings at that time and it's like the very end of his day. So if that pairing session goes long, he like runs out of time and we, anyway, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It wasn't a great time. One time I was online working late at night. Yeah, and you caught him in the morning. And I caught him in the morning. Yeah. What's he, seven hours from you? Six. Six. He lives in Spain. So Okay. Yeah. Um anyway. He's in he's in Spain, six hours. So he caught me, you know, it's one AM, it's seven AM his time or something, nice. right? Yeah. So 
we've just built that in as like a, our daily routine now. So Sweet. my my routine right now is I from about 1:30 a.m. to about 4:30 a.m. every day, I'm pairing. Wow. With someone in Europe, and it's interesting because it's like I've always wondered if that would actually be good, right? Because I'm like yeah. up late at night. I know that I do good work late at night. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if I only do good work late at night because because it's alone and quiet. It's and, alone. No one yeah. can bother me, and also like it's kind of unstructured time. Yeah. Right. Or whether it's just that my brain operates better late at night. Yep. And like if I had all the advantages that you get from like pairing and structure and all this other stuff during the day, but just moved that later in the time clock, whether that would be good for me. So it's been an experiment. And um, has it been good for you? Well, the code has been great. We've written some really good code. Um, we That's uh, like, I, I don't know why I'm saying this, but but like if you were talking about a relationship that I was asking, like, is the relationship good? Well, the sex is great. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're right. Well, and I think that but, is, I think that is it, right? There's the pros and cons. Good. So the code has been really good. Yeah. Um, but my life is not accustomed to having it be this way. Yeah. Which means that, like, things that I would normally, like, slot into that time sometimes, you know, because, like, I'm not used to having to use that time for that. Yeah, right. So, like, so now you got things play I would normally in the morning, bright and slot early. into that time. Like, just I can't, right? Yeah. Which means I am. Um, I feel like I'm constantly like, oh, when should I do this thing that I need to do? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, because I don't know what to do with my life right now, right? So it's like it's like living in someone else's life where I don't know the schedule hmm. or something. So I feel like if I do this for long enough a natural schedule will develop yeah but like right now it just feels kind of hectic but also kind of fun and i'm like kind of like along for the ride right now yeah it's cool but i'm gonna give it like another week well he's actually we're not gonna be pairing that much next week but i'll give it another couple weeks and see how it feels um and if if it feels unnatural for me like after doing it for an extended period of time, then I'll have to like dial it back. Yeah. Um, and I think what dialing it back might look like is like doing those calls twice a week instead of every night or something like that. Yep. You know, cause I do like the calls. The calls are great. Cause like I've already been working on something. Yep. Right. So like I've, you know, say I get on to work on something at like nine o'clock. Right. And I work on it until one o'clock. Yeah. Right. So what is that? Uh, four hours. Four hours. So I work on it for four hours. And then he gets online and I can just say, okay, here's where I'm at. Here's the problem I'm having. Here's the bug I'm trying to solve. Blah, blah, blah. But I know he's getting on around 1.30. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So right around one, I start putting the pieces back together of everything I've been ripping apart. Yeah. So that he doesn't get on. And I have to be like, okay, let's spend half an hour reversing my broken state before we can start pairing. Right. Right. So like, I know when the pairing is going to start and I'm able to like, make sure that I'm in like a state where I can pair. Um, but also like, I'm able to like make progress between pairing sessions so that we're not just like 
pairing on the thing that we were pairing on last night. Like we have a new thing to pair on every night. Yep. Um, it's felt really good. We've taken a very, and this is the thing I tweeted about this, but I, this is like, I love taking an existing app with all of the business constraints that it ever had. And then doing like a full rewrite, right? Because all the business constraints stand, but none of the tech debt constraints stand. Right. Is it, do you have a test suite to assert that or you just have to like, no, we have to write tests for all the business constraints. Well, I wasn't sure. Yeah. So I guess the only, I get it. The only bummer about that approach is like, not if you don't have a, uh, like a, dusk or cypress test suite or something or like a team who does all these like integration tests or something or acceptance tests you know that you rewrite the whole thing and you may have changed a zillion things that you won't find out until yep that and that's like a risk but like if the original app is buggy anyway yeah like and untested like they don't know how it currently works yep and the other bummer is is you put i guess like this is only a bummer on the outside like stakeholders are like wait so wait why did you do this like why is this better don't we already have all this yeah yeah, yeah. like well yeah but you know i mean this project has buy-in like it's okay yeah i figure and this project is totally skunkworks too which is cool what's that like it's a secret skunkworks is that a thing Mm-hmm. what's that it's like a microsoft thing i think where they would have teams that were doing secret projects that they wouldn't tell the rest of the company about. Hmm. Um, and, okay. So this project is Skunk Works. So, Skunk Works? Uh-huh. Interesting. So basically, he and I are secretly rewriting the entire backend. Nice. Um, to while... see if it's viable? Or... Sorry? Are you in like an exploratory phase or are you actually? No, it's viable. Yeah. Okay. It's more like to avoid the like political mm. implications of like having to go through the normal channels to rewrite the back end. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, this is like, you know, this has backing from everyone who needs to back it. Yeah. You know, but it's basically like side skirting the normal kind of engineering workflow. Yeah. Um. So it's cool because we're just building this thing. No one's bothering us. We're both like kind of have the same vision for where we want to take it. And like, we're the only like immediate stakeholders. Yep. Is like he and I, and yeah, it's really cool. We've taken things that were like eight database tables in the old thing and turned them into three. Um, like, We've taken things that were hard coded with massive ifs about like if it has this ID, then like run this totally separate branch of logic. Yeah. You know? And like brought those into a standardized logic flow that is like uh declarative and like not uh not just like sort of Imperative. randomly hacked together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's stuff like that. Like when you when you're able to take these like old legacy oopsies and like incorporate them in a way like okay, so we do have these weird edge cases, right? And the way that that's been handled in the past is to 
stick a minus sign in the database in front of a number to denote that this number should be calculated differently than other numbers, right? Yep. Or whatever. Like there's just like random stuff like this that's happening in this, in this legacy code base. So we just get to write it all from scratch and then like have a big think because you have the clean abstraction that doesn't have any edge cases, the happy path, right? Yeah. And then you just have, you go to the mind palace, which we've been doing on pairing a lot. We've been going to the mind palace, going okay. and looking at a fresh desktop background with no code on it. Nice. And saying like, all right, like mind palace, let's visualize, like, how could we structure this where this stuff is not an afterthought. It's like a first class citizen of the abstraction. Yeah. Right. The abstraction like natively supports this idea. Yeah. Um, so it's been really cool. We've been doing a lot of like recursive like mm. uh, stacks of okay. things. So like uh, sort of like middleware stacks, right? Where it's like things that like apply themselves and then pass themselves on. Yeah. Or like a lot of sort of like pending objects that get built up over time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been really useful. So like uh, for example, like something might have like a pricing algorithm right uh but it might have different pricing algorithms depending on different uh things and yeah. there might be multiple pricing algorithms that apply to something right where it's like there might be a pricing algorithm called half price right yep. and so you need to apply half price as well as the weekend price pricing yep. algorithm so you apply weekend price and then on top of that you apply half price Cool. And then after that, you use the normal pricing calculations to apply service fees and yep. all this other stuff. So we've built kind of like this cool little like recursive stack of price calculators um, that handle. And this allows us to handle all the edge cases because each of these edge cases can just be defined in a little class as like a pricing algorithm. I think they're actually called pricing schemes. Okay. Um, but it can be defined as its own little pricing scheme. And then we just like... Uh, we have a little table called like pricing zone pricing schemes or whatever, where it takes an ID and a class name nice, uh, and a weight, which tells it like where to go in the, yeah. In the order of, in the order piping or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so it's super cool. And that has basically like given us a place to put all of that edge case work. Dope. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's it's great, really sick. That is a great pattern. Yep. Literally there's a, a conversation going on in Livewire um, because the process to hydrate public properties that are like classes, like a carbon whatever, eloquent model, yep. is a giant if-else statement right now because I wanted to just keep it, you know, keep it yep. real like non-abstracted. But it's kind of time and so whatever. We're cooking up basically something like basically that. It's not database like driven but another, just like, I mean the hydration middleware and um, uh -huh in livewire is you're same. even calling it hydration middleware that's what i that's in livewire's core that's what all the hydrators no, but are. like when you talk like the things that the, that would have been an if else statement yeah right the like how to hydrate a carbon object right. class is that going to be called a carbon object hydration middleware unfortunately no because um currently hydration middleware is a taken concept in livewire so the, actually the public property big if else statement is in a hydration middleware, but we want to mm -hmm. break it out into, it would probably be called a property hydration middleware. <laughs> so yeah, maybe it would be. Why? Is there a play on carbon and hydration or are you just curious? No. Yeah. We, it's, it just, it's probably it going like, to be a property hydration like, middleware. 
because I was thinking like maybe you could take the old hydration middleware and minimize its scope and maximize these things scope and rather than them being on two separate levels bring them down to one horizontal level yeah but I don't know if component hydration and component property hydration actually belong on one level right I think they they need to be on two separate levels it's a good point though but because they all need to sit right next to each other so you probably you don't have to think about it have to think about it I don't know but I do want to keep them on two separate I think because I because it's a popular enough concept that I would like a folder that's dedicated to these things and so you can literally like add a new file called Daniel's new property type dot or hydration middleware dot PHP and then just do everything in there and you, you could delete that file and the code, code base would still be a total totally good um, work so yeah I don't know but yeah that the whole middleware concept like is very powerful mm-hmm. for sure yeah like those sorts of like stacks of things middleware pipey thing that you're doing yeah there. and like my little um my little like how I default to writing these sorts of classes yeah is that I have a static function called default mutations um and then I have a mutate function yep and then I have an apply mutations function right yeah and then basically each thing if it's not the last one in the stack so if it's the first one in the stack and it Mm. hasn't had mutations defined explicitly use the static it uses its default mutations property to like generate whatever mutations should exist yeah um then uh it passes those down to the next one so it takes those mutations then runs it through its mutate method yep mutates them and passes them on to the next one which yep. then mutates them and passes them on to the next one and then eventually it gets to the very end and then that mutation uh or and then that one being the last one in the chain runs the apply mutations instead of the mutate which then takes those things and turns them into whatever the final object is going to be. So like you can name those methods, whatever you can do it differently. You can use the actual like pending object destructor pattern stuff, um, which is another good way to do it. Mm. Um, But uh, I, I really like the, um, I really like the sort of like thinking of things in terms of like, okay, all of these things, are pricing schemes, right? So what they need to know is the start time, the end time, the base pricing class, um, and the zone, let's say, right? Um, zone would be like the, the uh, whatever, the product that you're buying, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So it needs to know these four things. Any pricing algorithm can calculate what it needs to calculate from these four things, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to pass these down in basically an array of these four things from thing to thing to thing and yeah. mutate that array cool. as it goes down. And then eventually the last thing will apply the like heavy work. Um, gotcha. So yeah, it's real interesting. And like that pattern is like serving me pretty well. I did. I think in your case, since you're not tying to a database and like you don't have like a bunch of models floating around that have information in them that you need. Right. Uh, I feel like destructor pattern might be more your like pending object destructor pattern might be you mean more destructor pattern. My mind, the destructor thing is like lazily doing something far down the road 
using a class destructor at the end of a request. Right. So that's kind of what I'm thinking, right? Is that like, but I you need have like a pending object. hydrate so that you can do work in PHP. Like so I'm hydrating up a thing to do work, you know? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense because you're doing it on the component. Yeah. It's like um, a in the process kind of thing. Right. So I guess the thing I was thinking about was like, if you wanted to have like a pending object with that started with all the dehydrated things yeah. and then one at a time, like hydrated them through the other things yeah, or whatever. Um, and then eventually returned the, like the full component. Like, I don't know if, yeah, that, that wouldn't mm -hmm. work as well here because you wouldn't want to have like a pending live wire component class or something. Well, you could, but I don't understand where destructor comes into it. That would, that would then basically take, so you would like the pending live wire class could like hydrate all of the properties. Right. And then would then like hydrate into a full live wire component with all of those properties or gotcha. something. Yep. Is kind of what I was thinking. Gotcha. That makes sense. I feel like the destructor, you know, like how there's construct and destruct in a PHP yep. class. That's so what you're I talking was, about that. That's what I'm talking it. about. Doesn't that only fire at the end? Like yeah. when PHP so is that's tearing what everything kind of down? thinking it would do. But anyway, it, it, it doesn't work as well for the for the scenario you're talking about. I, I, I auditioned it as like a scenario for this <clears throat> where basically you would have like a pricing class that then mm -hmm. like the destructor would be the uh, like apply mutations thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of the other methods would just be mutate, 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 mutate. Yeah. And then when it gets destructed, it would then become the I just feel like that it would get its mutations applied. Don't doesn't the destructor thing only really isn't it really only useful for like side effecty stuff? Because if you depend on the result of that, you know how do you if you're depending on the result? Like in your case, like you're depending on doing the calculation. And right, I'm right. Depending so on it, doing it would the only hydrating. work. Yeah, so it would only work if you uh, needed to like return that data and i think that might be why i didn't do it but like i was just thinking about like the way that it works with like a route or the way that it works with like any of the other stuff in laravel where like uh it allows you to just kind of like chain stuff on and then eventually at the end when the set when the request ends or when when the thing gets destroyed in memory like it becomes the thing that you need it to be so i was thinking that maybe for these models that have prices yeah we could have like a price object that they end up like returning for their price. Yeah. Right. That was actually like uh, sort of built up out of pending prices the whole time, but then eventually at the end returns a price. Um, but it was too complicated and ultimately the other thing worked better. So I didn't actually explore doing it. Um, but I think I probably would have run into what you're talking about that like it didn't get destructed in time. Yeah. Like uh, that I was depending on it while it was still in memory. And so it wouldn't actually get destructed. So that I would have to call the like uh, to to price method or whatever on it manually anyway. So the destructor pattern would kind of be useless. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think I've PR'd that into two separate objects in Laravel is like adding a method to enable you to manly, manually call the code that the destructor was doing. Because there are many times where like you end up wanting that for some reason, if if only for just writing a test. Interesting. 
Um, yeah. Like I think I right already... like in a in a test runtime, multiple tests. How does that work? How would that in PHP unit? It probably is set up that way to destroy globals, and then that would fire off the destructors. Yeah. No, the the reason I wanted to do it was to um was to access like some property of the pending okay. route. Yeah, within the same test, yeah. Um well actually it was for Ziggy. So this oh. is actually in a real code base. Um but I needed like route, but I wanted to get it before it got uh before it got turned into the route. So I created a temporary variable called pending route. And then I like extracted the things I needed. And then I called route equals pending route to route or whatever. Yep. So that I could like, by, by not having to have that thing in the destructor, mm -hmm. I was able to then like capture the intermediate state before it got turned into uh, a route. Anyway. Weird. Um, can we talk about Alpine store and persist a little bit? Sure, bud. All right. So I've got a homie who I do mentoring calls with. Yeah. And he is kind of working on like a little side project thing at work um, yep. and wanted to just like try all the things. So it's Jetstream and Laravel and Alpine and all these other things. Right. Word. Um, and he instinctively thought that he could dollar sign persist yeah. things inside of an alpine store good instinct you'd think good instinct doesn't work doesn't work um so we look at it and it's you like gotta okay, look well, at it. alpine store is just an object like the the thing in out Al the second param in alpine store is just an object right yeah it's not a smart object it's not inside any context no where you would have access to persist right magic's only get injected into components Right. So we don't have access to the magics here. And he was like, but right. you can do it in Alpine.data. And Alpine data looks so much like Alpine store. Yeah. The way it's structured. But Alpine data returns a closure. Yism. Um, and so we looked at Alpine data and how it was done. But the thing with Alpine data is all of that stuff ends up in X data anyway. Yeah. Which is presumably where it gets its magics injected. Is once it ends up in X data. Am I right? Yes. Um, so we were like, okay, well, we need to inject this magic. So Alpine.data is just syntactic sugar, basically, uh -huh. for just having a function that returns an object yep. that you call from X data. Yep. Like Alpine2. Um, so anyway, here was our goal. Yeah. Our goal was. Alpine store right now can accept either a string or an object or sorry, either just a random value or an object. Okay. Right. Yep. So the random value is for the like single value stores. Yeah. The object is for, if you wanted to find like a whole store with a whole mess of bullshit going on. Shablon. Um, our thought was, well, let's also allow it to accept a closure. And if it's a closure, oui, oui. That closure must return an object, yeah. right? Okay. And if it's a closure that returns an object, within that closure, we're going to give it the ability to access persist. Um, okay. We're not going to be able to give it the other magics because a lot of the other magics depend on the component, right? 
like L, like dollar sign L, what does that mean for, for alpine.store? It means nothing. Yeah. I'm um, surprised, Dan Cole. I would think that your gut would have been, do you want to keep going or should I, do you want me to? Do you want to you thought going? my gut would be to global persist? Yeah, do alpine dot dollar sign persist. Um, that's, that's, what not I a bad, I, that's not a bad idea either. But Word. this felt better for some reason. Okay. Um. But yeah, anyway, so we got like almost all the way there, right? In yeah. our two and a half hours that we were on this call together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can't work on it without him, right? Like, because <laughs> this, this is our mentoring session. We're learning how to work on open source projects right now. And you picked Alpine. Uh, well, he wanted to use it. He wanted to <laughs> yeah. use it. And he was like, okay, right. well, maybe we can learn something cool, here. Cool, yeah, all right. Um, so... Interceptors we're, we're, are like the weirdest thing to wrap your head around. Okay, this is the thing. I need to understand interceptors yeah. because um so I don't even the, advertise them anywhere. You, the not only do you not advertise not them, for you have a big fucking comment above them in the code base that says interceptors are not a public API and are subject to change without tagging your major release. Yeah. <laughs> like you say like don't use these. Don't use these. Right. But yeah, you can use I, them. It's a secret. You can use them to you PR the framework. Because then it's like your problem. If you change interceptors, then yeah, you just yeah, have yeah. to change them here too. Right, right, right. Um, That's true. But anyway, uh, so inter- interceptors have an initialize method. Yeah. On them. And then there is an initialize interceptors method. I think I need to give the audience a, key, a little cue into what you're talking about with interceptors. Sure. Why don't you just explain it, interceptors and that will probably answer my question word so audience folks listener developer user there is a concept in alpine called intersectors but you already knew that so anytime you use this was invented right before the release of alpine because i really wanted you to be able to do x data you know foo or active step or whatever colon dollar sign persist and then pass a value in rather than having x persist which i think we talked about at some point it's like yep. i was like I, think I, even, I don't know if we we were on a call i either showed this to you on a call or we came up with it on a call but it was something that i, I would like might have come up with it on a call but i don't remember it it was just a problem because i'm like how do we get this if you know if you have foo bar and you want foo to be persisted x persist foo but what if you want two values then is it like foo com or whatever so like it would, my so i just wrote like my ideal api and the ideal api is foo colon dollar sign persist and then you pass in the default value like a decorator you're decorating something so this is actually this is kind of difficult to write um the code to support this because this is why it's so difficult it's simple if that wrapper so if we're going to use this example of dollar sign persist um or let's use a really simple a, a simpler example let's say we wanted to make a plugin called uppercase we say like name colon dollar sign uppercase and you pass in a lowercase string and mm-hmm. it just uppercases the string. Right. Easy peasy. That's a function that takes a parameter and returns something different, like a, a decorated thing. Right. But it doesn't need to like watch it and all this other right. stuff. This is, there's two big constraints here. The first is watching. It needs to be able to do this. Like what if you want dollar sign uppercase? to enforce that the value is always uppercased so, so if that I when change you change the thing, it 
exactly. to another lowercase string, it should be updated to that uppercase. String. Exactly. And even further, the, the next level constraint is the magic thing, like in the case of persist, has to know the property name. So if you mm-hmm. say foo colon persist, persist needs to somehow know that you're assigning it to the property name foo, mm-hmm. which is a very difficult problem that involves some time travel. Sure. like in your mental model of it. So sure. here's basically how it works. And this, and I did a very similar thing for Entangle in Alpine and Livewire, you know, current Livewire for Alpine V2 and supported in V3, but eventually Alp- Entangle will become an interceptor. I'm not sure if it is right now. I don't think it is. But so an interceptor is essentially when you call dollar sign persist, you're returning a fancy object. It might actually be a function, but whatever. It's a fancy designated thing that isn't meant to be the final value. Right. And that, so when X data boots up, when Alpine takes X data and it turns into an actual in-memory JavaScript object, mm-hmm. JavaScript naturally calls functions and dollar sign persist is an available function that returns this crazy fancy object. So the resulting X data- Called an interceptor. Called an interceptor. That's what I named him. Um, maybe a bad name. I don't know. I think it's fine. Okay, cool. So you have the final resulting object, which it is do like, be intercepting. It does intercept. Exactly. So you have this foo colon and like, so after you, after Alpine gets the raw JavaScript object from X data, it's not foo colon bar. It's foo colon robot. Cause it's just this like crazy robot machine, mm-hmm. which is just a fancy JavaScript object. And that object has methods on it to yep. initialize itself and a bunch of other stuff. Yep. I, I went to bat with this API, like really- Including like getting the value and changing the yes, value. Yes, it basically all this other stuff. gives you an API where you can return like a getter and a setter. And yep. Alpine will do all the watching for you. Yep. And will also pass the property name in for you to the getter yep. and the setter. So that you get this nice API where you could say, if you want to create uppercase, let's say you, you want to create this magic called uppercase. Mm-hmm. You would define, um, you would basically create a function that returns an object that has get and set or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't think it's get and set because those are reserves, probably getter and setter or something. Um, getter and setter and and maybe also init, I don't remember. Um, initialize. Is it initialize? Yeah, okay. So and you have these functions. Initialize accepts the object, the path, and the value. Okay. Yeah. So... There's that. Anyway. Yeah. So here is the place I got to. And let me see if this like uh, sparks anything in your brain. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So the way that X, so that initializing where you actually call all of those initializer or all of those interceptor objects and like initialize them. Yeah. Right. That happens inside of the X data directive. Yeah. Uh, there's like a bunch of functions that like do stuff. Yeah, like inject magics and blah blah blah, yep. and one of the things that gets called is initialize interceptors, and what it does, dude. Is I don't even. I was just literally looking through that that file today, mm-hmm. and because I solved, well, I was working on a pretty deep behavioral thing, but there's inject magics, then there's inject data providers. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what data providers are. I can't. Data I still, providers are. What are data providers? Are data providers not the Alpine.datas? It is. Yeah. That's what they are. Thanks, bud. 
Yeah, bud. Happy to dude, have you. I saw I'm pairing with Mitch today, and I'm looking at this. I'm like, dude, I don't even know what Alpine <laughs> data providers are, but now we know. It's Alpine.datas. Thanks, bud. You should just call it Inject Datas. Yeah. You should. That's I should a call quick, it Inject quick Alpine little refactor datas. for you. That's what it should be called. Ooh, Inject Alpine.datas. Yeah. Um, I love when I get to spell out dot. <laughs> dot dot. Yeah. Department of Transportation. Right. Um. The right. okay. So yeah. there's initialized magics, there's initialized data providers, or inject magics, inject data providers, and then there's initialized interceptors that gets called. Yeah, what initialized interceptors does, as far as I can reckon, is it goes through all the interceptors and it calls initialize on them. Yeah. Right? So in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, so here's the point I'm at. Hold that in your head. Right? That's what initialized interceptors does. Yeah. Now, over here, inside of our little rewrite of alpine.store, we have successfully done all of the work to say, if it's a closure, then do this, and it returns an object, and blah, blah, blah. And so the closure syntax that returns an object, all of that works. Yeah. We have added a dot persist to the closure yep. that returns the interceptor that we want. Great. So we are... So close because we've got an interceptor yeah, yeah. on the thing. You it's just, just need Alpine just to not the intercepting in the store code. Correct. So it's not initialized. Um, yeah. So we then are like, okay, so we could call like an, we could basically take all this same logic from like initialize interceptors um, yeah. or even just that function itself and apply it to the whole object that we are, that we have as our Alpine.store. Yeah. Right. Doesn't work. Uh, things aren't getting persisted. We're like, okay, weird. Um, then we're like, okay, well, maybe just for just for testing and just for scuzz, we're gonna manually force you to call dot initialize on any persist that you stick in your in your object. So now we've got an object. Yeah. We're returning an object. It's a do dollar sign persist, and then we're passing in the object, the path, and the value just to see right yeah doesn't work then to debug something we're like all right well let's just see what this value is i'm just going to stick it into this x data on this thing so i can watch it in alpine dev tools right so yep. i just wanted to like watch the value of the store so i go um x data equals dollar sign store dot dark mode okay right and Dollar sign store dot dark mode is an object with an on property. Okay. So I've set X data to the whole object. Yeah. Of the store. Yeah. All of a sudden it starts working. It's persisting. It's doing everything. Mm -hmm. So I know that what's happening is that the initialize interceptors of X data is somehow being applied to my interceptor that is sitting, or, or not somehow, it's very obvious how it's being applied to my interceptor that is sitting in the thing. But I seem to be unable to initialize these interceptors outside of the context of X data. And I wonder if that it means that like the path for handling the updates or something is dependent on X data in a way that I didn't understand. So this is, this is the query I bring to you shouldn't be um you know dude it shouldn't be 
Totally shouldn't be. I'm going through the inter I'm just glancing at the interceptor code and I don't think it should be. But if I were yeah, you know, I don't know, but if I were to write this myself, I would create alpine.date.persist. I would create it on the global and then I would set that to the interceptor function. I would basically copy the exact same code. I would reuse the same thing that's used in the direct, the magic, the mm -hmm. persist magic. I would just put it in so that easy peasy. Then I would go into the store code like you did and add the same thing that's added in X data, but add it to, to the store processor that says basically inject interceptors. And I would be surprised if it didn't work. The only thing, this is why it wouldn't work. This is why, Daniel. If it worked, yeah, because you need a proxy. Because the whole watching thing only I knew works. I, a proxy. I knew it was going to come down to proxies. Always down to proxies, Daniel. The whole interceptor concept only works if it's a, a reactive proxy from, from view. You know, mm -hmm. view reactivity. It needs to be a reactive object. Mm-hmm. Because that's how the internal watcher works. So inside of alpine.store, the first line is, yeah. if it's not reactive, make it rea just call reactive oh, on okay. it. Yeah. So it should be reactive. Right. So it should be reactive. Um, but the whole, yeah, man, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, you're, what you did is probably what I would do. So it's surprising that it doesn't work. But I bet. I bet we could come down to the bottom of it very quickly. Like, very interesting. Yeah, I'm sure it's just a small little dude. It's all it's all about the proxies, man. That like all of all problems in the Alpine world are just a proxy away, essentially. Well, Caleb, because I am a very uh, good boy. Yeah, there are two repos. Yes, one repo a is a boy. demo project with a dark mode toggle. Yeah. And that is all that is in the demo project is a dark mode toggle using Alpine in this way. The other is a branch with our rewrite of Alpine.store. Yep. Um, so we should be able to pair on this and find the problem in 15 minutes is my thinking. Yeah. Um, I just need the broader understanding of how Alpine reactivity works combined yeah. with interceptors and I all think of you this have it all. stuff. I, I have it all like separately but I haven't spent enough time like actually working on Alpine to like exactly understand how it all ties together. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? Cause like you've like explained it... each part of it to me yeah, many times. And like yeah. I've code or I've source dove enough Alpine to like know how little chunks of it work. Yeah. But this just, I think is like, I'm missing some glue here. Yeah. So that's the thing yeah, I'm hoping we'll you can provide is yeah. tying together my disparate knowledge. Right. I did this, um, I just did this Alpine bug. So I'm working on Alpine component patterns and there's a specific pattern, imagine that, that I wanted to avoid in the accordion component. And I really wanted this different pattern. Like I was like, whatever, there's a few, we won't dig into the specifics per se. I'll just say that the pattern that I wanted to refactor to involved getters and setters. Mm-hmm. Currently in Alpine, getters and setters mm -hmm. aren't like normal methods on the X data object in the mm -hmm. sense that if you call this dot, you're only accessing that current object. So in Alpine, you can actually say 
this dot and access a property on a parent X data inside of a child X data. Yes. Because that's how it all works. When you say this dot inside of X data in Alpine, you're not accessing the actual object. It just looks like that. You're actually accessing a magic proxy that has access to that object and all the parent objects in the scope. Yeah, exactly. But in a getter, it doesn't have that. And I went to hell and back on getter scoping. And it's so weird because you can't like bind a specific context to a getter because you're accessing a property. Like it's Mm -hmm. not a method, you know? So whatever. I did some pretty hacky stuff, but like, I mean, that's kind of it. But I I thought like, this is way too hacky, but I actually think it's going to be good. It's not that bad. And now it unlocks that pattern. And I could tell you more interesting things that would make everybody happy, but I don't know. It's not worth it. So hmm. I'll put it in the screencast. And hmm. then, uh, so, so yeah, Daniel. But, you know, stuff stuff's going down, man. Because this Alpine component patterns thing, I just keep like finding things I want to change or add um, into Alpine. So it's been a lot of fun. Wild. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Daniel? Dude, Daniel? I've got so many irons in the fire right now like yeah daniel i'm like in the game <laughs> i am deep in the game i've got my main project which is just straight laravel right now right it's this whole back end project yeah then i've the big livewire and alpine project from from whenever we last recorded yeah um i am basically kind of like available for help whenever they need it type of situation so that's averaging out to like probably two to five hours a week of just like pairing with them on stuff and it's unfortunate because that means that i'm only getting called in when things are broken usually yeah um so like (laughs) the other day we spent three hours debugging a live wire sortable bug um which was wild it was like a it was like a if you have like multiple sortable lists that were getting created and destroyed based on uh things changing in the live wire component and like one of them wouldn't get like re one of the groups wouldn't get real reinitialized and so you couldn't drag out of it yeah um it was stuff like that you know mm. just like wild wild obscene bugs that i'm just getting called in to like work on so i don't get to do any of the fun stuff like uh designing a live wire component i just come into whatever design they're working with and try and solve the bugs um so that's kind of a bummer but the work is still fun it's getting me very familiar with kind of like the the many edge cases around live wire and alpine stuff and like Mm -hmm. entangle edge cases we've solved some like gnarly like entangle use cases and stuff like that so it's been fun um so that's cool and i've got my main project which is this big sort of drop-in replacement skunkworks skunkworks api thing um then i am working with the one mentoring client who we're doing this alpine.store thing together yep Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got my other buddy who I re-listened to the episode where I told you about him the first time. It was like my buddy who was like trying to learn how to program and blah, 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 blah. And I said yeah. that he should learn Laravel and all this stuff. It's right. on the how much money do we make episode. Okay. Um, so 
Also, it's so interesting to hear how much money we made when we put that episode out. Not a lot. <laughs> you had $16,000 in your bank account <laughs> at the time that we released that episode. <laughs> um, and so you know cool. my bank account because I accidentally sent it to you. Yeah, Caleb accidentally <laughs> sent me his checking account balance. Um, yeah. So, haha. Yeah. But um, anyway, he basically like backed away from programming not really that intentionally he just had to make money so he like started doing construction and stuff and blah 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 for sure he's back the boy is back and he uh is learning laravel and he's paying me to uh have a weekly call with him to guide him through laravel so i've got like we talked about this either on air or off air on air i think okay but anyway i've got all this stuff in the fire right now and i'm just like doing a lot of context switching but then context switching but then i've got my main project um it's really fun i'm having a blast i'm very tied into the code right now like and i think it's that i'm not getting bored because i'm constantly context switching that that's like part of it and then i also think that the pairing at night thing is like very uh engaging yeah. And is making my code very good. So I don't know. I'm kind of like on fire about programming You're in a way right. I haven't been in a long time. Rock um, solid. Not having a job is the best. It's great. If you, yeah. If you can get away if with you have a not job, having a job, quit it. If, you're listening if you have a job, have quit a job. it. Be like us. <laughs> um no, but seriously, like right. I am You're doing you're like you're you're totally doing it though, right? I'm in the game. Like you're not is your are you suffering financially? Are you doing worse, same or better? Than when you had a real like, job better for sure um are you happier yeah oh certainly there you go yeah Dan- I'm doing like it. we had this call and I i'm like daniel you gotta just make a leap for a moment and you did it yeah i did and now it's better and it is so better. far we're two for two on quitting and it being better <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah we should just rename the we should make a third podcast and just call it quit and it's just a podcast about how to quit quit your job jobs and the way you do it is you just quit. You just quit and then yeah. you figure it out, basically. Um, yeah. No, it's really fun. I'm having a blast. Um, quitting is so good, Daniel. Mm, quitting is such sweet sorrow. <laughs> Everyone should quit because yeah. on it, like, just go get another job too. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like now I have all these conversations with like potential people who want potential work. Right. And it's weird how many of them like low key just want me to have a job. I know. Exactly. Right. Like you all know? of them just want to just hire you. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really yeah. a thing I do anymore. It's very empowering to tell prospect people who are like, but I want to hire you be like, I don't want to be hired. I think you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it would I take, don't think you I have the requisite have dump truck of money <laughs> to make me give <laughs> right. up this life. I've worked very hard to get. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just nice to to not like I'm an opportunity jumper adder, you know, mm-hmm. and that has like I think got was good for me getting started and then like starts to hurt you getting farther. Mm-hmm. But um, in some ways, at least. But anyway, it's just it's nice to like for opportunities to be coming your way and, and to like develop. I don't know. I have like the discipline now to be like, I don't think that's an opportunity I you know want to chase. Yeah, I don't think that gets me anywhere. Because most of my life, I think I just chased every opportunity blindly. Well, right. And that, I mean, that comes from the fear of starving, you know? Maybe. Like, I might not, I might not get stable. It's interesting. This is you know? like, um, 
Like, I can't let something pass me up, because what if that was the thing that keeps me out of the poorhouse? Right. You did, you, did you watch Billions? Billions. Yeah, I love Billions. Charlotte makes fun of me because it's a bad show, but I like it. It is kind of a bad show. It's, you mean kind, just like it's low so quality. network TV. It's network TV. It's totally network TV. But I love it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I love it, too. Um, there's, I, I think I love it in a different way than you do, probably. But, yeah, I also love it. I want to hear why you love it. Well, I just I like it because it's full of ghouls. <laughs> like all these people suck so much. Yes, they're every all bad. single person in the show sucks. They do actually. Yeah, there's no yeah. good person. Like in there's the show. no, there are no heroes. No, like Wendy's even the closest you like get Taylor it. Mason becomes a ghoul. Everyone hey, becomes hey, a ghoul. Hey, hey, I'm only on season two, bro. Oh, sorry. I thought you were actually He's becoming watching a ghoul, but um, I'm in the middle of it. Or they. They are becoming a ghoul. They are becoming a ghoul. Um, but yeah, the, it's Ghoul City in that show. Yeah. I love it. I love Ghoul City. Bobby Axelrod. Uh-huh. For Axe. the listener. Axe. Billionaire man. Very, very rich. And he's sort of the um, very smart and powerful uh, killer guy. That's him. Not and, a literal killer. Like a, like a business yeah. killer. Yes. He... He comes from nothing, mm-hmm. as does his wife, but now they're billionaires amongst other people of wealth that came from something. Uh-huh. And a recurring theme is this idea that like he came from nothing. So his, I think it was in season one, he's having a talk with somebody and he's like, he's, he's describing the condition of, um, of the other, of the protagonist. Uh, what's his name? I can't think of his freaking name. Chuck Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Talking about Chuck Rhodes, who, listener, is, uh, you know, lawyer, U.S. attorney, whatever, mm-hmm. um, guy, but his dad is a billionaire, mm-hmm. uh, or at least a many hundred millionaire, whatever, comes from wealth, went to private schools, you know, lives the life of a wealthy person, and has a trust fund, like, the, you know, the whole thing. And so Axe is talking to somebody else, and he's like, see, that guy, this is what's different. That guy, like, if this fails, he doesn't have that fear behind him that he's going to lose it all, you uh-huh. know? And, and like, I have that finished. It's crazy to hear like a billionaire say that, but I thought about it for myself and I, I have that exact fear. It's like, of course of like, it's all going to fall out and you'll have nothing, yep. you know, you'll be, cause you're starting from nothing. It's all going to fall out and you'll, you'll land on nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking and like, it's about- like, and I got lucky and like caught a couple of big gusts of wind that, propelled me into the place that i'm at now but like if i start from nothing there's no guarantee that i'll catch another gust of wind yeah and just go back to nothing but it it really forced me to think for a second of like if i had rich parents i might feel differently about my life you know right if if i had you know if i had a guarantee that i was going to inherit a couple million bucks exactly like life would be very different it'd be crazy different yeah now just imagine like that but like, uh, you know, it's like also like I know for sure that I'm going to need to support my parents financially and probably a couple of brothers and sisters financially yeah, like right. later. You know, like if you come from like a Same. super poor family, yeah, you know, where where like you're the only hope. Right. And everyone invested all their time and energy and money and making sure that you got to go to school so that you could, you know, you could be yes. the smart one. Yep. Like, I feel like that's what like a lot of the like immigrant kids are dealing with specifically is like that kind of pressure from parents to be like listen we came to america for you to for you to be successful and now you are 
So like, yeah, don't fuck interesting. It up. I I bet there is that. Um, my sister in law, she's an immigrant, and I don't know if there's as much pressure to support like her her parents is there is just pressure from her parents to use every resource available to her. Yeah. I I guess it also, it probably depends on like what culture you immigrated from, right? Like for sure. Um, having grown up in Asia, there's like a lot of pressure to support your parents anyway. Um, interesting, but, uh, like, yeah, it's an interesting scene, right? Like Mm -hmm. the, like I, for us, like our parents will probably be okay as older people and like mm-hmm. won't need to be like bailed out by us to not have to eat cat food or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, but there are people who's, who are like, all right, I got to secure like a nest egg for me so that I can then like have my kids be able to like have a good life. Right. You know? But then also I got to like work back and make sure that my parents don't starve and that my brother doesn't starve. you know, like all this craziness. So yeah. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Totally is. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that fear is like real as, real as fuck. Like definitely not uh, not nothing, right? Especially because, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to like overplay the extent to which like I have been poor. But like I've been very poor, <laughs> you know. I, I've not had a place to live for months at a time and like crashed on couches and slept in dorm rooms and what a couple times slept on the streetcar, you know, like I've been very poor at times in my life. Um, and like where my only ability to like get into a house was that like someone fronted me enough weed to sell that I was able to like put together enough money for a security deposit so I could rent like a 10 by 10 room that didn't have room for a bed, you know, like there've been times in my life where I was so poor and the the idea that like i now am making good money and like blah 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 feels like an accident or a fluke or something much of the time right where it's like huh like how many other like guys who are that poor or in that situation um just don't have a guy randomly approach them on like this is you want to talk about white privilege like this is what happened to me is like a guy I went to high school with his dad just rolled up to me and gave me a job hmm. and that kickstarted my career right mm-hmm. like that kind of like nepotism is like why I like broke out of the the like mm-hmm. hustle and into like the good hustle right mm-hmm. um and I just wonder like how many like how many other guys who are just as smart or smarter than me, like, didn't get a shot, you know, and therefore are just, like, fucked for life, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so the fear, I feel like, often is that, like, I can't fuck this up because this is my one shot. And if I fuck this up, then I'm fucked, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. It's interesting. It is interesting. Don't fuck it up, Daniel. I don't think I will. And also, I honestly don't think it's my one shot. I think at this point, I've built enough you got shots. Uh, skill that like I could fuck it up and still build back. Yeah. You can always become a WordPress developer. There's none of them left. They're all gone. Everyone's always looking for a WordPress developer. Yeah. That's the scoop. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
I yep. schmeckle that. It's uh, yep. It's mm. yep. Mm-mm-mm. Daniel. Yeah. Here's a crazy thing, Daniel. Yeah. Did we talk about Brock programming? We started to. He's like doing it. How's he, he doing? He like got he applied to the boot camp. He got and got approved or accepted and like is like securing a loan. I don't he's probably gonna he's probably gonna listen to this and be like, dude, why do you talk about all my shit on your podcast? <laughs> he already gave me like some bit of shit for saying for not like whatever. <laughs> anyway, but whatever. If you're listening to this, Brock, you need to buck up, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um but he's like securing a loan to actually freaking do this thing, to like quit his job in a few weeks. Like a That's few awesome. weeks. Literally, we're talking. He's like, he's like, it's not even real to me. It's like, I can't imagine like not doing what I'm doing and doing this other thing. It's, it's bizarre. So, yeah. anyway, so he's working on like, it's going to be Java. It's going to be a Java boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so, bummer for him. Uh, you can move laterally. I know. Once you're in, you're in. Sort of. You can. We were talking about, but I'm like, dude, but you know, man. It's like, hard. It's going to be tempting tough. to not move laterally. It's, that's what it is. You still it's should. Super tempting to not. You still should, but. You should, but you, you should a good and chance you can. You I said it's, it's like, it's like uh, you know, look around at, at people who are religious. Good chance they're their parents' religion. Yep. Look around at tech developers. Good chance it's the stack they started in, you know? <laughs> yep. Good shot. These PHP buds started in PHP. Yep. And that's what happened. You, you Googled something and that day changed the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy, but. Well, what we should do is um, I'm going to cement this in our brains. Okay. Caleb, you and I are going to remember this. Cement, bud. Every New Year's, the first yeah. episode of the year. We're going to remember to ask ourselves, has Should Brock written any code that wasn't Java yet? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, this right, is, this is a new Here. thing. We're going to remember. First, we're shaking hands through Zoom. The first episode of every year, we're going to ask ourselves, has Brock written any code that wasn't Java yet? Yeah. Yep. Let's do that. He, uh, so he's working on HTML, CSS, and JavaScript at the moment. And it's reminding me. Here's okay, one thought. Okay, so Brock has written code that isn't Java. Right. Okay. Done. <laughs> yes. No. So their you front end I mean. is involved in the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But so he is writing, learning JavaScript, but from nothing. You know, he's learning this stuff from like. Yeah. Dude doesn't that's, know that's computers. What Ian's My buddy. Yeah. So it's. I mean, he he learned a little JavaScript last time around, but. Okay. I don't. I could be way underselling Brock's technical prowess, and again, he's listening to this, and he's probably swearing at the whatever. But I don't even think he knows Excel that well. You know, like formulas in Excel. I don't know Excel. Maybe don't he worry does. About it, Brock. But just the concept of a formula in Excel. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that will get you used to some of these programming concepts. But so he's coming at this like totally green, and I had one moment of of thinking um, how. I tasted the elitism that I take part in, in tech, mm-hmm. in this way. I said, and you know, oh, you're going to see all this W3 school stuff, you know, ignore that. Like, go to MDN. Like, don't touch W3 schools, you know, because that's the line I've been saying for 10 years. But he, so while later, he's talking, and he confesses to me 
that he really likes W3 schools, that it's the most helpful resource. But he, so he was just funny. like, he's like, I know I shouldn't, but he's like, it really. And I just had this moment of like, we are so stuck up because like we just know everything. It is stupid how much stuff we know. We're so stuck up. Yeah. Like for somebody like him. W3 schools th- is the best. Exactly. If like, you need to know like what attributes an input has, like where else are you going to go? Right. Like you, yeah. I, it was just a moment of like how not begin like truly beginner friendly my world is now you know it's maybe laravel beginner friendly kind of but i've even gotten kind of far from that but like beginner programming friendly or beginner web development friendly is like there's a whole sea of people yeah well like me and ian hurting and we're making their lives harder deep in something and i was like okay well let's just make a class that extends this and he was like so when it says extends like what is that and i was like oh right like, we just started writing Laravel, and I never explained object-oriented PHP to you. <laughs> right. Right? And it's like, like, I just jumped right into explaining Laravel. And, like, it's amazing how far you can get and, like, how productive he is in Laravel without understanding object-oriented PHP. Right. Yeah, because it really isn't. I mean, when I, like, started with CodeIgniter, like, I didn't understand any. You copy and paste the controller, mm-hmm. and then you have this little window in that controller method, and that's... That's the place that you own. That's the place that you know, oh, I can write an if statement here and I can yep. copy, you know, you're, copy, you're, you're just taking code from other places and putting it together and you can get pretty freaking far. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So Brock is like, doesn't have a grasp of even variables really, you right. know. So the, there's like very fundamental things like... Um, not understanding what a statement is you know what i mean like not understanding basically what i'm realizing is that he needs to gain a knowledge of shapes like so he can see the shapes of a function the shapes of a variable the shapes of a of an expression the shapes of a parameter you know the shapes of a thing being passed into a thing right now it's just symbols so it's like the string being passed into a function you know he forgets quotes a lot and then if i tell him to add quotes he's kind of unsure at times like yeah why do I need him? You know, no, and it, Ian was the same thing. Like he would, when he's trying to access properties on things, he would use fat arrows instead of skinny arrows. Mm. Like stuff like that, where it's just like, right. the, yeah, the, the shapes, just, the intuition just, there, he doesn't time. have, he doesn't see the shapes. He sees the symbols. Yeah. You know, he doesn't see the patterns of symbols. He just sees the symbols. And so for him, he has to like memorize open parentheses, put thing in comma, close parentheses, but he doesn't even see that that comma is separating full on expressions that he could put like two plus two inside of that slot. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that, that thing hasn't set in for him. So it's, but it's starting to click like he, you know, there's, you know, whatever it's starting to click for sure. And he, but, and he will get it, but it's just those really, really early on, times and once he gets that like the world starts to unlock like i've seen ian start to get things yeah and like his world's unlocking like um i I was giving him pretty small homework assignments you know yeah like okay i we just implemented a belongs to many relationship between these two things yeah and then a select box in the form that lets you pick one of them yep for the thing right yep and like that's what we did. Now here's like another model that's going to be a the same pattern. Belongs to many with a select box that lets you pick one. So why don't you go implement that one on your own, right? Mm-hmm. That was the type of stuff we were doing. And 
he, we, we would go a week and he would only be partly done with it and he would have run into a problem and yeah you know whatever now we're getting to a point where like he's nailing those things and then starting off on his own projects cool you know what i'm saying yeah that's and he's like well well i wanted to do this and like he'll hit me up in the middle of the week and be like hey i'm doing this and like the problem he's running into is kind of nonsensical yep you know like he's like but i don't understand like how to store this in the database. And I'm like, oh, you don't want to store that in the database. Like you want that to be an accessor. So let's talk about accessors. Yeah. You know? And so then I give him accessors. Next week we get together. His whole code base is accessors. He's, he's oh, overusing funny. accessors. Like cra- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But it's great because he's just like unlocking one tool at a time. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's really interesting. Yeah, that's great. I, I've learned what one bit of um, another thing that I've learned that I do wrong my my big like thing that i repeat incessantly passionately is you need to build and struggle on your own like you have to struggle on your own because that's how well, you create struggling questions. on your own is great if you have someone you can ask for help yes right so you need to struggle on your own and you know like create the have questions which are holes for answers you have to you have to create those holes for the answers you can't just you know come to me and say, teach me because I'll be throwing things and you won't have the holes for the things. Right. That's the thing that I say constantly over and over and over again. But I forget how bewildering it is when you actually don't know anything and you can't read an error message and you're just stuck. Like, like he, he was like working on this uh, Fahrenheit to Celsius converter. He's just totally stuck, you know, and he'd like come back and like, didn't really make progress. And, you know, we have a brotherly relationship where, we're very direct mm-hmm. most of the time, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of go into the realm of being a bit of a dick. Mm-hmm. And, but I realized that like, like, yeah, like he doesn't have a, a dick in terms of like how much he, I'm like, you know, whatever. You're being very blunt. Exactly. Yeah. We've had some blunt conversations, but we, we have a good relationship and we're doing well with this, but, um, but yeah. So I just sort of like reacquainting myself with like, yeah, like, you know, you do need more handholding than than what my advice Implied. Uh, implies. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you do, it's going to be very difficult to do a lot of these things if you don't understand how to read an error message, you know, mm-hmm. or even how to like use the dev tools well mm-hmm. and understand the difference between what Chrome dev tools shows you in the elements panel and what the source is, you mm-hmm. know? Stuff like that. Uh, a lot of stuff like that. So anyway, I'm, I'm lightening up on my, like, you still need to do the struggling to start for sure. Like, you, it always has to be build-driven, demand-driven, struggle-driven. But, but, um, but yeah. But I, yeah, I'm there are, there are remembering, huge shortcuts yeah. you can get by having access to someone who knows. Right. And I do tell him that. Like, have the question and then call me. Um, mm-hmm. But, and, and he's doing that. And that's what we need to just keep doing. Yeah get a question and then call me but the hard part is like what are the questions you know i don't have a question because i don't know what to and then i and then i think that's something to learn is like well you have to figure out the question you have Hell and yeah. that's on you i can't help you with that you have to figure out what is the actual even if it's a really broad question love I it don't know. anyway it's very interesting being in the, like i i've had recent experience teaching people but i haven't really taught anybody from the ground up in a while you know mm-hmm. so it's yeah like it's, it, and that's, i'm having so much fun doing it very fun yeah yeah all right Getting we gotta go yeah we gotta go i'm gonna go all right um oh, we didn't talk about minutes. nfts yet 
Ugh. All right. No, save it for the show. Talk to you later. Save it for the show. All right. All Closing right. thing now. Um, cueing outro cueing music. Cueing outro music in uh, one, and here we go. Two, right. Yeah. And. Ba-dum. Ba-dum.